Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into the richest podcast on ESPN 1000 because uh, dogs are now available on the podcast. Now, what's good, y'all? It's your boy, Pat the Designer, back at it again. Welcome into the Chicago Bears podcast. J-Mac, you've never looked more like you played in the NFL than right now with this small dog. You got a little Shannon Sharp in your game, I see. Yeah, man, this is my guy, Champ. Champ McKee, man, and, and we call him Champ because... He's a champ of the neighborhood, man. He don't want a lot of little fights. You know what I'm saying? You see yeah. his little handkerchief. He normally yeah. has a belt. Or, uh, easy, easy. It's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta keep him. He looks, he looks so much like, why did you do this to me? That's because you was barking. That's what you get, brother. Hey, man, we got, we got a, I think we have a very interesting show for today. I hope that Champ chimes in on it a little bit. I want to get his thoughts, right, on who has that dog in him. Yeah, yeah I'm saying you see what I did there. Pretty good, right? Uh, but no, uh, realistically, what are we convinced about? 11 weeks into this NFL season, positive or negative, what are we convinced about with this Chicago Bears team? I can feel the comments coming in now. We are convinced that they are trash. Yes, we know that. Let's think about it a little bit more. Let's go a little bit more in depth because I think that there's more good here than bad for the future, but there is some bad that we got to get into. All that and more in today's episode of the Chicago Bears podcast. Hit that like button, subscribe to the page, leave that five-star review. You know what to do. J-Mac, first things first, brother, how's the bye week treating you, man? You, you're you finally at a point where uh, the, the high school coaching has died down a little bit. You don't got to go in and uh, be in the frigid cold this week for the Bears. How's the bye week treating you, brother? Yeah, when, when, well, the bye week for the Bears is treating me good because I get a little break from that. But, you know, the coaching part's 365. Ooh. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, now the, these college coaches are coming back in the building, uh, you know, getting eyes on seniors, you know, look, yeah. looking at tape and, uh, you know, trying to find guys who could fit their program that can complete their roster. So it's good for our kids and all these kids, you know, in, in high school right now, you know, they're getting looks, they're getting opportunities to play college ball uh, based upon their performances this past season. So, you know, it, it's been good. We got our, our banquet uh, tomorrow. Nice. So, you know, we'll put it, we'll put a cap on our season, you know, give out our awards to our kids who, you know, we're all deserving of awards. We'll give those out and, uh, you know, continue on this recruiting thing. So it's a, it's a, it's an exciting time, but as a coach, it's also a sad time because you know, I'm losing a bunch of seniors. Yeah. Uh, this would be the first group of seniors uh, that I've had for four years. Ooh. Uh, yeah. It's tough for me because, you know, a lot of these kids I've known since grade school as well. Yeah. So it's, it's, you know, at the same time, I'm happy for them because a lot of these kids are going to go on and play college ball and, you know, to, to have opportunities that they've earned based upon their performance in the classroom and on the football field. But on the flip side, you know, I'm sad because I got to let them go and they won't be a part of our program anymore. So, you know, it's a bittersweet time. Yeah, man. it's It's got to be awesome to see guys, though, being able to continue the dream, right? I mean, for a lot of guys, high school is the end of the football dream because, I mean, listen, we all don't grow like NFL players, right? But, I yeah. mean, you're, you guys' school, you, you're sending a lot of seniors on to continue their football dreams, man. That's got to be a dope feeling. Yeah, it is. And at the same time, you know, like like us as coaches, like I, I, I have a great staff, um, you know, two of my former teammates, uh, yeah. people know already, Olin Krutz and, and Rasheed Davis, but not just those guys. A lot of guys on our staff who have coached a long time, uh, guys who haven't coached a long time, younger guys that are, you know, we're trying to develop in, into coaches and they're getting experience right now. But the main common theme that we have is, and we care about our kids as people, not just players. So yeah. the biggest thing that that I've seen that we've done as as a program and as a coaching staff is we've been able to help mentor 
and to evolve our our kids from being boys into men. Yeah, and that's what this group of seniors, you know, coming in as freshmen, they were freshmen, they were young, they were, you know, some of them were immature. Uh, but now to see the growth and the maturity that they have uh, from from their freshman year to their senior year is amazing. So, you know, that's the biggest thing in our program. You know, we if we've only made you a good football player, then we failed. You know, we're yeah. going to make men, better men. And that's I think we've done a great job of that. And when you have that type of environment, that type of culture in your program, all of that translates on the field. And that's why I think we've had a lot of success. Yeah, I mean, listen, usually the programs that start with that, you usually see a ton of success with them, right? Like, yeah. and then it, man, it looked like the dog crying a little bit, bro. You got, you got the dog emotional a little bit, bro. Man, <laughs> look, look at the eyes a little bit on that. Look, oh, he, he emotional, brother. And yeah, he's just getting bored of my speech. He's like, oh, <laughs> getting bored of my speech. Hey, the dog, the dog sitting there trying not to laugh. He don't talk about the kids like this when the cameras ain't on. No, I'm just playing. He I'm like, just playing. J Mac loves all of y'all. It, it it is so dope to see that, right? Like to to see you being able to. My my thing is always seeing people be able to continue what what their dream is and whatever their goal is. For a lot of kids, college is that next step in that. So really dope to see you being able to be a part of that, man. Uh, let's hope uh, for one of our, you know, teams in Chicago, the Chicago Bears, that the dream can continue. But it feels more like a nightmare this season, J-Mac. We're now 11 weeks into the season. We've got, I mean, still... So many questions, but I do believe that there are a lot of things that at this point, most people have formulated their opinion on and are convinced about. When you look at this Bears team right now, what is one of the things that really stands out to you that 11 weeks in you? I'm convinced this is what we have going forward, positive or negative, either a change needs to be made or keep this locked in. Yeah, I mean, I think, if we're going to do this, let's do it by position group, too. You know what I'm saying? So let's do it. With offensive side of the ball, obviously. Let's start with the offensive line, uh, the foundation, you know, of, of the offense. But the offensive defensive line, the foundation of any team. So on the offensive line, I think, you know, I love Braxton Jones. You know, him coming out, you know, the, the first game and then he got injured and he missed yeah. some time. But him coming back, he's played really well. Yes. Has he had his ups and downs? Yes, you're going to have ups and downs. That's a hard position to play left tackle. I never played it, but I've been around uh, been around a lot of left tackles, and that's yeah. a tough position to play. So, you know, I like the progress that he's made. Obviously, I think we, we draft him in fifth round. I mean, fifth round, fifth round, yeah, fifth round, fifth round pick, and he's he's played a lot of football for us. So, I think you know he's a he's a key piece over there. Um, you know, the guard position, whether you know, I love Tevin to to uh, you know, I don't know Tevin to play both guards, but. Tevin's done a great job. If Tevin stays the left guard, I mean, I, I love Tevin Jenkins. You know, yeah. he was a he's been a question mark since he came here because of the injuries. But I think this year he's really solidified himself as one of the better guards in the league. And now he's showing us why he was so worthy of being such a high draft pick. I mean, to do, you know, to me, like Tevin is like the 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 physicality of, of that offensive line. Like he's the tone setter of that offensive yeah. line. And when you watch him in the run game, like he plays the game violently. You know what I mean? He's smart. I mean, he's athletic, and he plays with violence. You know what I mean? And that's what you want for an offensive line. Uh, so we know center is is an issue. Uh, you know, Lucas Patrick he had his ups and downs. You know, Dan Feeney's got in a spot duty here and there. Do I think those guys are the long-term answer? No. You know, those guys have played a lot of football, but 
you know, I think we're going to need help at center. I think Nate Davis has done a good job when he's been in. And then, yep. you know, go to Darnell Wright. Darnell Wright's done some phenomenal things. I mean, it's, it's great to see when you have, you know, you pick at number 10 in the first round and the guy's panning out, you know, week in and week out. So, you know, I'm glad we hit on that pick. So offensive line, I think we have the framework to have a good offensive line. You know, look at the backups, Jatari Carter, yeah, Larry Barome. I think, you know, Jatar, I think, is a good player. Barome, I think, you know, they're, they're, they're backups. You know what I'm saying? And they need more development. But at the same time, offensive line, you can never have too many good offensive linemen. So I think we need to bring in some more guys on an interior offensive, interior offensive line, uh, to say the least. I, I look at the O-line, and the one thing that I'm convinced about is that, and something that I'm not going to lie to you, I didn't think I would be convinced about, we have to pay Tevin Jenkins. We have to find a way to get Tevin Jenkins re-signed here. It's something that... Yeah. I thought I wouldn't be saying this season because of the injury concerns that Tevin still does have, right? Yeah. Like, it's not like they've gone away. And J-Mac, you know, right, when when those big guys start to get hurt, very rarely do the injuries just magically disappear and you see them go through the rest of their career without getting banged up at certain points. But when Tevin Jenkins is on the field, I, I don't know, maybe that comes with a discount price a little bit, but I doubt it with everything Tevin's been through here. But when Tevin Jenkins is on the field, He's the best. He's the most talented offensive lineman on the field at almost any point. Like yeah. the versatility that he has, the ability to switch sides, just his attitude. I mean, we're, we're talking about a guy who switched from left to right, right to left. He's played right tackle. He's played left tackle. He's literally played every position on this offensive line except the center position. And he's played pretty much most of them well. Right tackle was probably his biggest like, I don't ever need to see that again. But he still was able to go out there after a few reps and be successful. That's not an easy thing to do. So if I'm convinced about anything on this offensive line, it's that Tevin Jenkins absolutely needs to get paid. Braxton Jones, to me, the only question that I have with Braxton Jones is, is Joe Alt the left side version of Darnell Wright? Because if he is, then unfortunately to me, you have to replace Braxton Jones. If he's not, I love Braxton for what he is as a fifth round draft pick, what he's developed into and long-term maybe he gets better. Maybe he gets to a point where we look at him. And we're like the bull rush ain't killing him. Nothing's sending him backwards. He's doing everything right. And I think he's doing a really good job since he's been back at that. Yeah. But if you can have an all pro talent on both tackle positions, I don't know if Braxton has played well enough for you to not take a person with that draft pick. Definitely. 100%. I mean, any like it goes back, you know, to to just like a company, right? This is it's a football team, but it's yeah. a company, it's a business, yeah. right? So if the dollars is right, it makes sense, you know what I'm saying? If certain yeah. situations, if you have an opportunity to improve your football team, regardless of position, you're going to try to do that. So if we do have an opportunity to 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 draft a left tackle, right? That that has all the makings of being great. Or to bring in a free agent, left tackle, and if it makes sense contract-wise in terms of, you know, and is he a fit in this offense? Do we think he can be that pillar on that left side? Well, then, yeah. You know, you make that jump because you're always going to try to improve your team. Yeah. So I, I agree with you. And I think Braxton is, is a nice piece to start with. It's good to have a young guy like that in terms of where you got him as well. But, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, the gym – whether it's polls and that's another story. We don't know who's going to be like, if, whoever the GM is. We'll see. Polls, we'll say polls because it's polls now. I uh, believe it's going to be polls. You know, yeah. <laughs> so 
what is he going to do? If there's a yeah. left tackle that he likes out there, that he feels it has a, a, a better potential than Braxton Jones, who he feels is a fit right now, who can come in and play right away, well, guess what? He'll be that left tackle. Let's look at defensive line. I think that uh, you might as well just go through the lines, right? Yeah. The defensive line, what's the one thing that you're convinced about with this defensive line right now? Uh, Montez Sweat is worth every penny, which we already knew that when they signed him. You know, you got people like, oh, why they pay him so much money? Well, damn, because one, he's a baller and he makes plays. He's produced. And two, we keep talking about the same thing over and over again. He's a multiplier. Yeah. He's making everybody better. Look at the amount of takeaways we've had the last two weeks, right? And that's and I'm not saying it's all Montez Sweat. The defense is playing well. Coach Flues, you're calling a good game on defense. Um, but he, he's definitely a factor in it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I mean, he's called he's he's generating so much pressure. And and the beauty of it is it's like, you know, you get some of these pass rushes, it's only they only pass rush. This dude can play, you know, he can he can play the run too. So it's good to have a key piece, you know, on that defensive line, a guy that you're going to build around. Yeah. And you got him locked up. And, you know, the good thing is you got him locked up now because that price is only going to get higher. So, you know, I- I'm thrilled that we were able to make that move and bring Montez Sweat in. And I'm thrilled at the production he's had since he's been here. And I'm thrilled that he's been able to enhance the play of, of our defensive line. You know, Demarcus Walker has gotten better. Javon yeah. Dexter has gotten better since Montez Sweat. Yeah. You know what I mean? Zach Pickens, you know, another young guy you put in that rotation. We even seen Justin Jones get a sack a few weeks ago due to the Montez sweat effect. And then, you know, Yannick Ngakwe now, like I said before, you know, he's not a marked man. So now you give him some one-on-one matches where he can continue to generate pressure. So we have some nice pieces of an offensive line. Uh, Justin Jones, I, you know, just going over the guys, we know we're going to be here. Montez, what we talked yeah. about. Dexter and Pickens, two young guys that's going to continue to get better. Uh, Justin Jones, I really don't know. Um, you know, I still think you need that, that, you know, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't see Justin Jones is, is, you know, I just, the production hasn't been there to me. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know how he is in terms of being a leader in the locker room. I'm not in that locker room, so I can't really speak on that. And, you know, Yannick, I, I love Yannick, man. Yannick is, you know, just, just observing Yannick and being around the team. He's such a good, humble guy. He speaks to everybody. Like, you know, he's a, He's not one of those guys that's like walking around conceited guys like that just because he's been paid well and he's a you know he's a high a, a notable guy in the league. You know he's a humble dude and you know I, I love I, I just wish he had more productivity. And I think early on it's tough because when you're a marked man and you don't have somebody on the other side yeah. creating uh, creating uh, you know pressure and giving you opportunities to have a one on one matchup, then you know they're going to double team you. They're going to slide the protection to you. And I think that's what happened to Yannick early. So I don't know if he'll be back. You know, he comes with a high price tag. Um, so, you know, we'll see what happens there. I think uh, that's that's the one thing that I am convinced of. Uh, Yannick and Gakwe will be playing for a different team next yeah. year. And it, and it sucks, right? But you just haven't seen the production based on... And it's not that he can't be good. It's not that he isn't good. It's not that he won't return to his former self maybe through the next six weeks with talk, having a completely conversa- different conversation because mm-hmm. he comes away with six sacks, right? Like, But where he's at right now with the price tag that it will still be attached to his name because he has been that premier player, the price tag that he's going to feel that he's worth. I don't think that Ryan Poles will re-sign him because, also because I think there are other areas where he's going to look to to re-sign guys, right? Jalen Johnson, we we talked about him two weeks ago saying, 
right? Uh, you didn't get the job done in the show me the money moments. And that's why you're not going to get the big money last week. He got the job done at least on one of them, right? Didn't get another pick six. Yeah. Would love to see him come away with pick sixes. I think that turns the tide of the game. But you're seeing him get himself into a better position with a pass rush in front of him. That, to me, has to perk up Ryan Pohl's ears where you have to find a way to get back to the table and at least discuss coming back together on a deal. Although I don't know if that gets done either. But again, we just said Tevin's got to get paid, right? There are guys on this team that I think are on the one-year deals, and you saw Andrew Billings get locked up as well, Yeah, that you have to extend long-term because you're actually building something with this team. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that name up. I didn't even mention Andrew Billings, and that's yeah. sad because dude's been a ball. You know, I, 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 I love his game so much, and, you know, I root for him because he's one of those guys that just had to develop, that had to show his worth. Yeah. You know, like we say, he he came out the mud and 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 made a name for himself and got paid. So little unsung. Little unsung. You don't hear about Billings' name a ton. No. But he's always the guy who's either in the mix or creating a pressure. And he's been that all season. Yeah, he's been and he's been exactly what you brought him here to be. Uh uh an amazing run stopper. Yeah. You know what I'm saying at the end of the day, like when when you have guys like that, right? You're not a, a, a blue a, a blue chip guy. You're not, you need guys, blue-collar guys that play a role, right, in order to have success as a football team. And he's one of those guys. He's one of those pieces. Yeah, you ain't going to hear about his name in the paper, right? He's not going to have the crazy stats in terms of that stat line. But guess what? He's going to be such an such an, such an impact. An impact, And that's what you need. And that's why the Bears were so ranked high against the run this year. Yeah. Because yeah. you have a guy like Billings in that middle. You know, commanding double teams, getting tackles for loss, like generating pressure. Like, you know, that's – He's, he's a great piece to that defense, and, and I'm glad we were able to lock him up. No, facts. No. I, I think that, you know, Billings is is a long-term answer to something that the Bears can go out there and continue to do, right? Like, that's the one thing that you, you want to be convinced about through 11 weeks, right? What are the things that are going to continue outside of just this year? I look yeah. at the combination with these young guys. Javon Dexter starting to get home a little bit more. Uh, Zach Pickens creating pressures in the middle and different things like that. Andrew Billings on the run. What are the things that are going to be consistent? Sweat, Billings, Dexter, Pickens. Those, to me, have been consistent things. It, since Montez Sweat has showed up, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it's been consistent uh, the entire time. But since Montez Sweat has showed up, and I think to that to that point as well, right, if I'm convinced about every, anything, going out and getting Montez Sweat, has absolutely taken the signing the linebacker decision first where we looked at it and was like, all right, Paul, yeah, you went out and got these linebackers, but you basically told them go fight for your lives and do the best you can. Yeah. And in two weeks of play, I'm now convinced that I love TJ Edwards. I think that he's going to be a Chicago Bears linebacker that we're going to talk about for years to come. And Tremaine Edmonds makes things incredibly difficult if Matt Eberflus puts him in a position to do that in the passing game. Yeah, 100%. I mean, linebackers, like, you know, looking at that forecast, we're set. I mean, you got Edmonds, you got Edwards, you brought in Fred, and seeing those guys are. And shout out to Jack. No disrespect to Jack. We don't bring his name up enough. Your former teammate says something that was amazing, not to cut you off, but I heard Brian Erlacher talking about it the other day, and he said, I think he was on CHGO uh, last week or two weeks ago, one of them. And he said, I would rather have a player that runs a 4-6 but thinks at 4-4 four, four, 
yep. than a player that runs a four four and plays at four six. And to yeah, me, Jack Sanborn is is the previous on that. Yeah, that was well said by Lack. You know, when you have guys that don't have the physical uh, abilities as other players, right, they've got to overcome those deficiencies mentally. And that's what Lack's saying, right? If you have the ability to diagnose plays where you can play faster because now you see it and you're there. You know what I mean? Like Sanborn, there's no wasted movements. There's no false steps. When he sees it, he's in his gap, and he's making that sure tackle. And that's another guy, right, you talk about who's – who's came out the mud and earned, you know, yeah. an opportunity. Like undrafted guy. Unsung guy, didn't blow the combine away, but he can play football. Yeah. And that's what this game is about on Sundays. We're not going out there. We're not playing the damn combine. We're playing football. You know what I'm saying? So I, I love it. I love it. The 40 yard dash is the dumbest thing in the world to me because running, running in football pads, you're going to run it. Like, <laughs> when are we well, running? not even that, but it's, it's the dumbest thing in the world to me because if you get to run 40 yards untouched, you're probably not in the NFL. Yeah, but hell, when are you ever going to run 40 yards without a helmet and shoulder pads on? Like, let's forget all that. Let's go Let's go way back. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on, man. <laughs> I don't give a damn if you run a 4-3 in shorts and yeah. underwear. I'm like, damn, we're not doing that on the field. Yeah. So it doesn't matter, you know. But 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 to go back to our point, you know, Jack Sanborn and TJ Edwards, yeah. both undrafted guys, you know what I mean? They're self, self-made. They were at the bottom of the depth chart when they came in this league, right? And made play after play, took advantage of uh, took advantage of every opportunity. It made names for themselves. And TJ's in TJ's case, got paid by his hometown team. You yeah. know what I'm saying? The team he grew up watching. So that makes that story even sweeter. So you know, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled with this defense, the pieces we have. You know, I'm thrilled at the way they played the last few weeks. Um, you know, as much as people talk about Coach Flues, he's done a hell of a job. You know, calling this dang defense. You got to yeah. give him credit. He gave himself credit the other day in his press conference. That's crazy. It's still crazy. That is due, though. He's, he's I mean, yeah. So was it seven takeaways in the last two games? Am I right? Eight. Seven? Eight, Eight takeaways in two games. It's a lot. I mean, every time I look up out there, it's a, it's a, it's an interception or something like that. And yeah, you know, it looks like every time I look up, we can't capitalize off of it either. <laughs> oh, oh, shout to the offense. I, I'm so. glad you brought up Flus though, because I think that's another one where. I, I want to talk about things that we're convinced of, right? And hit that like button, subscribe to the page. Appreciate you guys for tuning in and showing love to the channel. Um, I'm convinced Flus can call a defense. Oh. I, I, I am. But I feel like I was kind of already convinced about that coming into next season. The part that I'm not convinced about is still, can he be a head coach? Mm-hmm. When I look at Matt Eberflus, yes, He's a, he's a good play caller. I'm not, I, I will take nothing away from him. He can get to the heart of the defense, but the, I've seen good play callers not be good head coaches. I've seen good play callers when, when they have talent, they can put the right pieces in place. And yes, this is not a Josh McDaniel situation that we're in here, but I, it doesn't take away from the fact, and I could care less about all the media talk and all that. Cause that's PR in his ear and stuff like that. But like, yeah, to me, the decisions on the field, we talk about Justin Fields every single week, and we say he has to be consistent. If he's not consistent at the end of the season, he's not going to have a job. I still see too many inconsistencies in Matt Eberflus's coaching style, which I think trickles down to everything with this team. I'm convinced he can call a defense. What I'm not convinced on is why is it when you're at your own, what was it, we were at the 50? You go forward on fourth and 10, but when you're at the 20, you won't go forward on fourth and three. 
Mm-hmm. Where's the consistency in your game plan? Where's the consistency in what you, you know what I mean? Like, I think yeah. that there's just too many of those. And then we look at the rest of the coaching staff, and I think it just trickles down to the rest of the team. Yeah, you know, that's a that's a whole that's a whole nother podcast right there, too. I think uh yeah, I mean it's it's tough because it's it's one thing to call a defense, yeah, to call an offense, but at the same time, like right, a head coach, you have to be able to galvanize and you know, uh uh create excitement, you know, create energy, create intensity, uh create the belief. Yeah. You know, uphold a standard, you know, uh, you know, establish a culture to where when you speak, those guys are all looking at you. You know, they're looking at you and they believe in everything you say. You know what I mean? Those guys will run through a wall for you. But at the same time, on the flip side of those things, you have to hold guys accountable. Yeah. You know, there's sometimes we're going to have to call guys out, including yourself. You know, you sometimes hey, you got to sit up there and, you know, I coached bad. That was a bad call on me. I didn't do a good job of getting us together or getting us prepared this week. Uh, does it make it okay because you're calling yourself out? No. You know, the facts is the facts, right? If you didn't call a good game, well, the game plan, you know, your performance as a coach better be good than the following week. But at the yeah. same time, like, you, you've got to make it to where, you know, guys are scared to lose their job in this, yeah. in this league. You know what I'm saying? Like, guys can't be comfortable. And, you know, my biggest thing and, and being an old school guy is, you know, just with this team, I just see it's like, you know, it's good. You want to have a, a, a good working environment and stuff like that. You want guys to be relaxed and, you know, you want guys to have fun going to work. And, and when I played here, we had fun going to work. Like uh, Tony Mellon, our equipment manager, used to try to kick us out the locker room because like, guys, go home because we we enjoyed it so much and we enjoyed being around each other. We would stay yeah. in the locker room and hang out after practice. You know what I mean? Like hang out, we're watching extra film together, just love being around each other. But at the same time, you know, we knew our position coaches were going to hold us accountable. Uh, Lovey Smith was going to hold us accountable. You know, our coordinators were going to hold us accountable. But at the same time, we were going to hold ourselves accountable more yeah. than any of the coaches could do, uh, could hold us accountable. So, you know, I just, I'm like I said, I'm not in that locker room. I'm not in those meetings. So I can't sit here and say that's not happening because I'm not there. So I can't speak on something that I'm not seeing. But as a head coach, that's the type of team that you got to have if you want to have success. Like, you've got to have a team that's player-led. And when you have a team that's player-led and those guys are, you know, they're, they're coaching themselves and that position group is – there's a head coach of every position group and making sure those guys are doing what they're supposed to do with it and it makes your job as a head coach easier. And then, you know, that's when you can have a chance at having some type of sustained success. And we haven't seen that here in Chicago because there's so much turnover every few years. New coach, new GM, new yeah. player. And, I, and, that's, and that's why I get Lance's point on not wanting to change the coach, right? Because you've got a position that is working. If you go get a three technique, right? I, and I, I give Flu so much credit. Like, I, I, I don't think people understand how hard it is to call this defense without a three technique. Yeah. And we, we, we're getting takeaways. We're getting pressures. We're top five and... That is improvement. But you allowed, I, I think, I go back to the beginning of the season. You can't hold, right, everything. It's a week-to-week game. Yeah. But you allowed somebody to step on a football field, disrespect what your principles are at their core, and chase Claypool. And then you told them, go tell Chicago you're sorry and don't do it again. Yeah. And three weeks later, he did it again. 
Yeah. And I that see, to and me is not holding people accountable. That to me is not like the, you're you're no matter where you are. We OK, we're, we're below here. We suck here. We're not doing it. But this is the standard. Yeah. No matter what, we will never be below this. That's what I want head co- uh, the head coach of the Chicago Bears to have an understanding on. And I think there's just too many situations where guys are just OK doing that. Yeah. And there's different different coaches have different personalities and different philosophies. So, yeah. You know, I like Coach Flues is he, you know, you can tell he's a coach that really loves his guys. You know, he's always calling his guys nicknames. He gives them nicknames yeah. and stuff like that. So, you know, I feel like the relationship with it with the guys in that locker room and Coach Flues, I think it's, it, I mean, it seems like it's pretty good. I'm not in there, but it seems like it's pretty good. But at the same time, I think he's, he's so loyal to a fault to some of his guys to where he's not going to call them out. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like Claypool, he knows Claypool is doing some crazy stuff. And I like Claypool. You know, when they brought Claypool here, I was one of the guys that said, hey, you know what? Let uh, You know, I'm, I'm excited. I was that he's, excited. But here's the thing. I was skeptical at the same time because yeah. I'm a Mike Tomlin fan. You know, as a coach myself, I love the way he coaches. Um, at the same time, if you have a guy like Mike Tomlin cast you off and you're a guy like that has that potential, that physical stature that uh, Claypool has that could that could help a team. And you see Mike Tomlin cast you off, or there's yeah. something, something's not right. So I was yeah. kind of skeptical, but I was hoping that hey, a new uniform, a fresh start, new environment could, you know, uh, you know, help uh bring out that potential in Chase Claypool. And I think, you know, coming here, when you let a guy who's had a troubled history, who did some of the same things in Pittsburgh, I think that's why he got casted out. Yeah. And you start letting him, you know, you give him an inch, he's gonna take him out. You know, you know what I mean? You give him a piece of rope. He's going to turn into a cowboy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like that's if you give those guys those those little things and you let him, you know, do what he wants to do, you know, one time, two times, and he's going to think it's OK. And that's like what you're saying, Pat, you got to nip that in the bud right away and say, hey, you know what? No, you ain't going to practice when you want to. Your ass is going to practice every day. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You ain't going to be late to meetings like this is one one and done. Your ass better be in meet on, on time in meetings every day. You yeah. better be taking notes like that standard, like you're saying, has to be set all the time. Because once that standard slips, it's gone forever. And your teammates, they see that. Yeah. So if I see Chase coming in late all the time and nobody say anything, you know what I mean? But then somebody else comes in late, you're going to say something. But then the standard's lost. Like, I'm not taking anything seriously now. Like and, and listen, you, you you talked about Flus, right? Having the attention in the room. Uh, it was a very small clip, but it was not a good look at the end of uh, Monday Night Football when everybody in the room is basically like, yeah, he's talking again. Here we go. That, I hated that clip. I no, like, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was wild because then you see the yeah. full, you dig, and I'm like, I don't know if that was like actually the case. But DeMarcus yeah. Walker, and I think DeMarcus Walker literally was tweeting out bear down at the moment. But I mean, listen, there is a there is something yeah. to that, right? Like if Lovey was speaking, y'all wouldn't have been on your phones. No. Nah. We didn't have we didn't have Twitter, so <laughs> this is true. There was no Twitter. I, I, I no get you, but like just, I, I get it. You're right, though. You're right. Like, damn, the coach is talking like gosh, like, let's lock in. Hey, just when nobody was locked in. <laughs> I think it was I forget who Buddy was in the back, but he literally was like <sighs> And I hated that clip when I saw it too, man, because I'm like, God, like these guys have been so through so much, man. Yeah. Like this has been crazy. And 
you get a win, right? A much needed win. It yeah. almost turned into disaster like the previous week, but and then you and then this happens. You know, you give them something to tweet out and talk about to deviate what you just did. You know what I mean? Like I, Yeah. So it was it was I tell you this. I I I thought it was a good uh a win is a good win, right? An NFL win is a good win. I thought we got a good win, a win we needed. But after that, I was like, hey, they may be done on flutes. Flutes might be about it. I don't know about that. One. We'll see. Uh, one guy, and, and to finish it off, listen, we can sit here and are we convinced about Justin Fields or not? I don't think that one way or the other, Justin's given anybody anything to go overly one way or the other, even though everybody's doing it. I saw Joy Taylor say that Justin Fields can be a backup in the league for a long time. That's wild. Yeah, I mean, like he's t- that's crazy to me. Um, but one no, thing that I will say, what, like that's the worst thing, right? When you have somebody telling telling you what somebody else can be, you know what I'm saying? Like that that's what bothers me. Like you're telling everybody that this man, oh, he can, he's only going to be a good backup in the yeah. league. You don't know. It's like. This quarterback thing is crazy. Like, it, it, there's a lot of factors that determine whether or not the quarterback can be great. You can have the ability, yeah. right? You can have the the ability and the leadership skills and the talent to to make everybody else around you exceed expectations. But it's all about the fit, the scheme, the coaches, the players around you. All that stuff makes a plays a part in whether or not you're a franchise quarterback. So I don't want to yeah. hear that. I hear people say that. Oh, he's a good backup. Hey. Shut your Hey, I don't want to hear you, you know, Shady hate him. Shady yeah, can't stand Justin Fields. But I mean, but still, I don't, man, but like, yeah, but at the same time, Shady, you ain't never played quarterback. <laughs> you were a great running back. So stick, you know what I'm saying? Like, I can't sit here and say that Justin Fields is never going to pan out. My biggest fear is if we do get rid of Justin, he goes somewhere and he becomes that franchise quarterback that we wanted him to be here because they do have an offense that fits his skill sets yeah. and talents. And they do have guys around him making plays, making him better. Well, that's, I what's think, going to, that's what's going to happen. I think I think that's the 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 real question here. What are you convinced most about with Luke Getze? Because when I watch back the All-22, I have moments where I look at Luke Getze's game plan, and I'm telling y'all this right now. There are moments that are genius. There are moments that are like, over the yeah. last few weeks, where you see how the offensive blocking scheme is being set up to lead the defense's mind on two plays later to say, oh, they're running that same play again. And then you see it over there, and now Justin's rolling out right, and he's completing a pass downfield for 20 yards. And then there's other moments where it's like, hey, bro, did he just run four screen passes in a row to the same guy because they're blitzing? You don't have any other option off of the blitz. To me, I'm so unconvinced about Luke Getze being a long-term piece. I think that you have to move on from him because of how many times he's been unwilling to shape an offense around the quarterback, no matter what. Like, unless you go get him a perfect pocket passer that he's going to shape the perfect system around that guy because the system he's got is already that, Caleb Williams doesn't change who Luke Getze is. No matter who your next QB is, I think you need a new play caller. What are you convinced about right now with Luke Getze? Yeah, I think that's the case. When you go from having Aaron Rodgers, you know, as as your quarterback, well, then, you know, certain things that you call, whether they're good or bad, you know, Aaron Rodgers has that ability to make that bad call great. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Just because, you know, him being able to process and make all the throws and he can make that bad play call great. Um, 
like you said, though, it's all about putting your quarterback in position to, to succeed. And, you know, we've seen game plans where they were a lot of things called that fit Justin's talents. And when we see those things, we see Justin produce. And there's a lot of times, you know, like we saw last week, the ups and downs where, you know, you'll see, you know, two or three now screens hit a receiver in a row, but then you see the big play that he hit the DJ Moore to set up yeah. Cairo Santos. You're like, damn, why didn't we challenge him downfield more? You know, so I just think it's, it's hard, you know, it's confusing. Yeah. Um, it doesn't make sense. You know, I would love to, I wish I could be in those quarterback meetings and really see how that relationship is with Getsy yeah. and Justin. Every time I ask Justin about the game plan, he always says Luke does, uh, you know, he talk, Luke does his thing and stuff like that. So I can only go from what I see. It appears to be, you know, it appears to be good. What you think? Think it's good? What 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 you got, bro? What 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 you what are your thoughts on uh, the Justin Fields? He got that see, dog in him. You see, when I got up, he when I started talking about Getsy, he got up, he yeah, turned his yeah. head. Now, look, a little growl in there. I heard the little growl <laughs> in the back. He's not a fan. <laughs> But I think, you know, it's hard, too, because, you know, coaching-wise, I think, you know, Luke's second year as a coordinator, so he's growing, too. He's trying to evolve as well. Yeah. But at the same time, I, I think regardless of what your playbook is and what playbook you're used to, you have to devise a scheme, especially with your quarterback, that fits his skill set. You have to. Otherwise, you're not going to have success. And we've seen too many ups and downs. You know what I mean? To I'm convinced about one thing with Justin Fields, and, and maybe that's we see that play out here. Maybe we don't. But I'm convinced after what we've seen this season, what they've asked him to do, he can run whatever game plan you put in front of him. Yeah. Now the question is, are you going to put the right game plan in front of him? Because literally, the future, the now, turnovers, issues. Yeah, I yeah. mean, he's got almost as many turnovers as he's got starts in the NFL. That's a problem. Yeah, it's a huge problem. But every time Luke Getzey just flips his brain and goes, all right, we're going to attack him downfield this time. Justin Fields gets you down the field. He drives you down the field. He puts you in a position to be successful if he doesn't fumble it before then. Maybe slide <laughs> on it. Hey, Cole Komet, throw a block. What the heck happened there? My guy. Man, yeah. I mean, that's two good defensive plays, man. You get the strip. Ball security. Justin, you got to secure the ball. Yeah. And then you get the hit. Helmet plays right on the football. Perfect fundamental tackle. He got to slide. He got to slide. slide. But I think, he, you know, he's trying to, you know, lay it on the line for his team. But at the same time, yeah. no, no excuse, though. Like, we need the ball, Justin, to finish the game. And he he acknowledged that. I asked him about that when I interviewed him, you know, after the game in the locker room. He acknowledged that. He said, that's yeah. on me. You know, and – the funny thing is, he said before that, you know, Roshan, remember Roshan fumbled? Yeah. In the interview, he's like, I, ju I had just told Roshan, hey, secure the ball, ball security. And then he fumbled, and then he yeah. fumbled towards So, I mean, it's, it's, it's no excuse. You want to be that franchise quarterback, you, know, you want that big contract, you want to be here, you got to secure the ball. And nobody That's knows it. that more than Justin. Not just secure the ball, you can't turn it over either. So, he's got to do a way better job of that. And he'll come out and say that himself. Yeah. So, I mean, the good thing is, like, I think his teammates have his back. I think he's well-respected. Every interaction I've had, dude's so humble. Uh, you know, he puts in the work. So, he has all of those things that you want your franchise quarterback to have. The thing we haven't seen is him, you know, putting that on the field consistent, consistently. And I think it's, it's definitely a mixture of him. It's a mixture of the game plan, mixture of the yeah. play calling. So, to have a true evaluation – you know, it's it sucks because I don't feel like we have one right now. Like I still think there's a mixed bag. That's the, part, that's the worst part. It's like I, I I don't know if over the last six we've gotten 
we will be able to get a true evaluation, right? Because listen, Justin may come out and cook. It's not like you're going up against elite defenses. Yeah. But that's the thing. We're not going up against elite defenses. So can I get that true evaluation? I mean, heck, we might have, uh, I don't know what the latest is on Miles Garrett. I haven't looked at it yet, but we might have Miles Garrett not even playing against us. That's a big blow to that Cleveland defense. So we'll see what the Bears can put together moving forward. The bye week is here. Next week, we got the Detroit Lions. That is a uh, elite defense that the Bears were able to chop up. So hopefully we'll see more from Justin on that. Hopefully we see more from this whole team. And finally, finally, get back-to-back wins. Hasn't happened since Man. 2001. Ooh, Lord. Spend some time, J-Mac. Hey, man, as always, it's your boy, Pat, the designer, back at it again. Joined by Jason McKee. Appreciate you guys for tuning in to showing love. Hit that like button, subscribe to the page. Leave that five-star review. Y'all know what to do. Y'all stay safe out there, Chicago. Bear done. Bear down. <laughs>